This is the PR Podcast, a show about how public relations helps you tell your story to the world. We talk with great PR practitioners who have the skills, creativity, and just plain savvy to get their clients noticed. Now here's your host, Jody Fisher. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the PR Podcast. I'm Jody Fisher. Thanks for joining us. Well, after last week's episode, I thought that we would do a little bit of an experiment. So we tweeted out uh, on the Twitters uh, that we had an opening for a guest this week, which we actually did. It was true. But I wanted to see how many smart and savvy PR people were actually paying attention. Now, don't get me wrong. The PR podcast Twitter handle does not have a massive, you know, hundreds of thousands of following, but um, we are connected with a lot of smart and savvy PR people out there who are listening to the podcast or interacting with on social media. Um, and while that tweet did get plenty of retweets and likes, we actually got relatively few people who reached out and pitched themselves as a guest. And it really surprised me because I figured that I was just gonna get a flood of PR people who were either pitching themselves, pitching their clients. Um, certainly if I had seen that, I would have been like, yes, I have three people, which one do you want? Um, but it was a little bit surprising. And so what I just wanted to say uh, again this week, like we say every week, um, one, need not be afraid of the PR podcast. You should pitch yourself as a guest. We do a show a week, 52 weeks in a year. That's 52 new guests that we have on every year. You should be one of them, especially if you have a perspective uh, or a story to tell, whether you're a PR person, whether you're in the news business, whether you're a reporter, whether you're an editor, whether you're a videographer. We've had um, to Terrific videographers and photographers on the PR podcast talking about how they do their job out there in the field, back in the newsroom, um, the decisions that they make about coverage. So get in touch with us if you want to be a guest, and I hope you do. Uh, and certainly if you're a PR person, you should be a guest because uh, this thing is built for you. Um, so get in touch, send us a direct message on Twitter, get on the Facebook, send us a message. Uh, we don't bite, I promise, much. Um, and, and book yourself as a guest, because like I said, this show is built for you. So speaking of the people who did reach out to us right away, and I'm so glad that they did, we're joined by not one, but two guests this week, and it's going to be a very special conversation. So let's get right into it. Shelly Spector is founder of the Museum of Public Relations, the world's only museum dedicated to the PR profession. And Jenny Frankel is the museum's associate director. Together, they work to tell their, the story of the public relations industry, the history of the profession, and more importantly, how the profession of public relations has impacted history, especially in social movements such as civil rights, gender equality, and pride. Shelly and Jenny, welcome to the PR Podcast. It's so wonderful to be here, Jody. I am so glad, so glad the two of you reached out uh, to us, uh, because for one, I didn't even know that we had a Museum of Public Relations, which I think is awesome. So let's start right there. Tell us about the Museum of Public Relations and why you created it. Well, actually, this was the idea of Edward Bernays, who is considered the father of public relations. And um, I expect that most people who are listening right now will have heard of Edward Bernays. He had a public relations firm starting in 1919 with his wife's wife, Doris Fleischman. And uh, my husband and I got to be good friends with him for the last 10 years of his life. And uh, he died when he was 103 and a half. But before he died, he asked my husband, Barry and I, would we create a museum of public relations in New York? And how do you 
say no to that, right? How do you say no to a 103-year-old man who happens to be the double nephew of Sigmund Freud, right? It's impossible to turn that opportunity down, even though my husband and I had no idea what to do with the museum. He's a graphic designer, I was a PR person, still am, and uh, we just figured what the hell. And it turned out to be one of the greatest things that I've ever, that we've ever done in our lives. It's just so incredibly rewarding. So let's and get Jenny's the plug. Gonna hmm? I was going to say, let's get the plug right up front. Where is it? How do we find it? Okay, so the museum is situated 85 Broad Street, and uh, but obviously for the last year and a half, we've been operating primarily online. So we have a website that has exhibits on it. We have lots of Facebook activity, which tells a lot about history and public relations. I mean, the intersectionality of PR and history is something that hasn't been done a whole lot, right? But when people hear about it, they get very interested in it. It's a deeper way of looking at PR than we typically do. That sounds terrific. And Jenny, you were gonna you were gonna tell us a little bit about the museum as well. Yeah, um, the museum is uh, it's just it's a wonderful place that not only collects stories but shares them too, and allows for room for new stories, stories that you know haven't haven't been heard before and that's that's the idea of it is to bring forward or elevate stories that are so important to not just us but to people that might not be represented well uh, within the industry or within history and definitely once I came across the museum I felt much closer to PR because I knew about a history I knew that there was something to look to look back on to learn to, to use as reference for what we do today so give us a little taste of what's in the museum. You know, do we trace it back to an origin point? What was the beginning of public relations? Was it was it was it oh, Moses coming down the mountain on the with the tablets or what was it? <laughs> no, it was actually it was Moses walking up the mountain because you know God was calling him and he brought up a tablet. God says, you know, bring up a thing to carve in, you know, when he brings up a slab of stone. He didn't bring up a tablet like an iPad, of course. And uh God is ranting and raving and ranting and raving about how badly the Jews are behaving since they left Egypt. And uh, so, you know, Moses is saying, well, what, what the hell do you want me to do? And God says, okay, take this down. And so he goes and, and he, uh, you know, writing as fast as he can. Remember, Moses has to carve everything into the stone. And at one point, Moses looks up and says, God, he may not have called him God, he may have called him something else. God, can we just boil this down into 10 talking points? And that was the beginning of PR. Oh, that's so great. That's so great. I was going to say that Moses coming down the mountain was the first PR stunt. Well, that could have been, <laughs> no, the stunt was really the bush on fire. And, Very good, right, you know, the exactly. The red parting. And, <laughs> and, you know, God wanted Moses to go out and to talk to the press. But, you know, remember Moses had a speech impediment. He says, you know, my brother Aaron should do that. I'm gonna hire him as my spokesman. So Aaron goes and brings the 10 commandments, which he decided to call it because it was catchy and bring it out to the Palestine, Palestine uh, Journal and to the Galilee Gazette and you know the Canaan uh, Chronicle. And they didn't have television back then, of course, but. Oh, they, they didn't? I thought it was just black and white. No, no, no. That was a few years <laughs> after that. Um, so <laughs> that's, that's, that's the story that, that I tell. And the reason for it 
is to give people a sense of public relations is not just the way we know it the past century. Public relations has actually been around since there was civilization, right? If you look back, for instance, at the Egyptian civilization, they had to have had internal communications because there were thousands of people who were erecting those pyramids, right? How did they get word to one another? Right, they used hieroglyphics a lot, you know? Um, that was a language. They drew pictures in, uh, you know, in, in the town square to communicate what was going on. They built the, you know, whoever built the highest pyramid or the best looking tomb, you know, this was for their reputation. This was all, you know, kind of corporate identity from back then. So if you, if you use a public relations lens to look at world history and civilization, you come away knowing a lot more about public relations. Is that what you mean when you refer to as the hidden history of PR? No, not at all. Oh, Jenny, okay, why don't fine. you explain what that is? Hidden history is uh, bringing forward pioneers that might not have been known as PR professionals. Um, we do know that PR offices started up in the 1910s in New York. And uh, there, there are people that were activists before that. There are people that like Shelly mentioned, you know, from way back when in the early civilizations that use PR tactics and strategies. Um, but we, we really highlight uh, diverse voices within PR history. Um, and that's the hidden history. So bringing forward any black PR pioneers, any Latino PR pioneers, and we're constantly finding new pioneers. Um, and it's just, it, that's, that's such a beautiful, um, you know, piece of work for us that we can highlight folks within history that people in the industry today can relate to. And then we translate that into our diversity events, which have gone virtual in the last year. Um, and it, it allows for people to feel comfortable with sharing their story on our platform because they know that it's a safe space. So that's been very, very fun to work on. That's fantastic. And I know that you have, uh, as you said, lots of events at the museum that have transitioned to online. And, and right now you've got um, uh, a recent event that's on your website uh, called The Role of Communicators. Um, but it was, um, it was tied into AAPI Month, uh, Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. Um, do you do a lot of events like that? And have you done in the last year a lot of events that you've transitioned online that sort of take on um, sort of a current events kind of a kind of a flavor? Well, we've had many events about crisis communications, obviously, in relation to COVID. Um, we did research on uh, the history of pandemic communications. So it was interesting at the beginning of COVID, uh, you know, a lot of us were talking, well, how did the government communicate to its citizens during the, the 1918 flu or, or did it? And, you know, how was all that communicated on a local level? And uh, we did some a lot of research on that. And uh, we wrote a paper on the history of pandemic communications. And that was very, very popular and, and did lots of lectures and events over the course of the year about that subject. Um, we have a lot of diversity events tied into the heritage months, right? So we have Black PR history, right? We have Latino PR history. We have women's, we have a women's PR history, but we call it PR women who made history, right? So there we can talk about social activists, right? Uh, we just recently had our Asian American Pacific Islander event, the role of communicators with all this Asian hate and violence going on. 
What can communicators do to stop it? And then next week or next two weeks on June 29th, we'll have our third annual Pride event. That all sounds fantastic. Let's drill down on that a little bit, what you said about um, the role of communicators. Um, you know, typically when we talk about the job of a public relations professional, it's articulating someone else's story, right? It's figuring out a way to take someone else's story or what they're doing or et cetera, and fashion it in a way that is attractive to the media that we want to tell that story through. Um, but is there a larger role for a public relations professional in today's world? Do, do we... Do we have an opportunity or even a calling to do a little bit more than that? I think so. Um, I think we spend too little time advocating for ourselves, especially in you know um, the Asian American group. Uh, they realize, well, hell, you know, just as you said, they are professional communicators, and it's time that they speak out. It's time for them to go on social media and talk about what what you know. What was the genesis of this hate and violence, right? Uh, what about the Asian myths that have been going around? It's uh, really quite a complicated story. And, uh, you know, more and more, we have seen Asian Americans in public relations and communications be more uh, vocal, you know, about what they've been going through and what they can do to stop it. And uh, during this uh, this event, which is which is still online, you can hear a lot of the ideas that they were coming up with on if they band together, what they can do to prevent this from happening again. Yeah, this is really wonderful too. That um, uh, all of your recent events here are listed, and and I'm on your your events page on your website right now. You've got an upcoming event where you can register for free. Then you've got recent events that were recorded. Um, and, and you can click to watch the event, um, again, completely free. So this is a terrific resource for PR professionals. We think so. Uh, the, you know, our website has been called year after year, the world's number one PR educational resource in the world. And it's amazing. You know, you say that you never heard of the PR museum. Well, the PR museum is better known in India than it is in Indiana. And it's because they don't have the resources uh, overseas that we do here. They don't have their own PR histories as, you know, as, as well documented as we do here. So they depend on the PR history that we have on our site and as we tell through our events. So it's really become an extremely, especially during this period of time, extremely precious uh, source of information for PR students around the world. It's One definitely reached a lot more people for sure. Yeah, it's, it's, it's opening up a, a whole new world for the museum itself. And Shelly recently uh, spoke at a PRCA conference where her, web, her, her panel was saying a unified art history. So now the museum has the opportunity, the potential to drive other PR in other countries to look back into history and help us put this together where other industries have a unified history you know there's there's that potential now which is really exciting yeah I, I think we still you know however many decades after PR has been you know formalized as a profession I think we still struggle for a bit of I'll use the word legitimacy 
um, to really be seen as a professional who provides a very specific and valued service. Um, and I think part of the genesis of that, and this is just me talking, is this, this um, the, the way that we've been portrayed in modern media as these spin doctors, um, people who have a very loose affiliation with the truth or with facts, um, and, and you know, just drawing back on my own personal training with Howard Rubenstein, um, you know, there is, there is no room, there is zero room for uh, playing with facts, for, uh, for, for messing around with the truth. Um, you certainly can take, uh, use a full throat to represent your client and articulate their message, uh, but you never fool with the truth and you always maintain a very high ethical standard. And I think we continue as a profession um, to struggle with the world's perception of us in that way. Would you agree, disagree? And, and how do you try to diffuse that at the museum? That's one of the reasons that I think Bernays wanted to start the museum was to give the legitimacy that it has been missing for all these decades. And um, as Bernays used to like to call the profession, it's an applied social science. So he took what Sigmund Freud was developing at the time in, in terms of psychoanalytic theory and Bernays applied it to the masses, right? That's how it all began. And uh, you know that's pretty he heady stuff. If you look back at the early writings of Ivy Lee, for instance, right, Walter Lippmann and Bernays and his wife, uh, you'll see that it was an extremely well thought of profession back then. And, uh, you know, there were early corporate PR people like uh, Paul Garrett of GM in the 20s and uh, 1927 fellow named Arthur Page, you may be you know, familiar with the Arthur Page Society. And he became the first CCO of AT&T in 1927. And so he, you know, these people, and uh, you know, you look back at them and think that they're all white guys, really laid the groundwork for the profession. But unfortunately, uh, I, I think that it did lose some of its legitimacy in you know, perhaps a few years after World War II. Uh, I don't know exactly how that happened, but when you come into the museum, you can see the scholarship that's been put into the, the profession that you may not have been familiar with before. So for instance, we have a manuscript, an unpublished manuscript from 1928 from Ivy Lee that was never printed, never known about before. And we have it there on display. And if you read this, you say, you know, this guy is brilliant and, and this field is something that could really change the world in a good way. It was so highly regarded. We have a chart um, from uh, Public Relations Magazine from 1938 that is an organizational chart where it lists the chairman first, the president, and then the director of public relations. That's how I, significant the PR person was in 1938. I, so what happened? Well, and it brings up a good point that I think we've often said is that the, the public relations person or the communications person, let's just broaden it out, needs to sit very, very close to the top of the de decision tree in any organization, that they cannot be eight levels down taking orders from the people who are six in line to the CEO or the whoever that executive is, that you need to hear, if, if the CEO wants to get their message across, um, and articulate it clearly, clearly, it's got to be whispered into the ear of the person who's going to be telling that story. And that's us. Um, 
it, it doesn't mean that we have to get in anybody else's way. And I think that's part of, you know, sometimes corporate structures and things like that, where they think the PR guy is going to start running the show. And that's, a, in my opinion, that's the last thing we want to do. <laughs> we don't, we don't need to make the decisions. We just want to help articulate them properly to we make sure everybody's help. on the same exactly. page. Right? <laughs> we just want to help. We wish no, we have no ill intent. We mean no harm. You hired us to help you. <laughs> well, and there's the other thing too, boy, I'm glad you brought that up, Jenny, that, that um, it, it's curious to me how some clients, whether you're an internal PR person or an external PR person, how some, you know, we treat them all as clients, um, how they will have a communicator like us on their staff or, or, you know, they're paying us a monthly retainer or what have you. And then they won't tell us stuff. <laughs> and it's like, I'm the first guy you should be telling. <laughs> right. Exactly. Well, I think that you could see that the companies who have the best reputation are also the companies whose CCO and president or CEO have a good relationship where there's a strong level of trust and candor. And we saw this, you know, in the raw during the pandemic, right? The communications function was never uh, regarded as highly as it has been in the last 15 months. Right. And, and, in, and in that case, and I don't want to start a political discussion, but I think in the last administration, the CEO thought he was the PR guy, okay. which, is, which is a classic mistake. Regardless of what you think of the what went on or the who it was, I think it was a classic organizational mistake that the CEO thought he was also the PR guy, and you see how well that worked. Exactly. I think that's a very good example of where things go wrong, terribly wrong, life and death wrong. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so what do you hope that people will take away from the, from the public relations, the museum of public relations? Um, and, and also when are you reopening? Are you reopened yet? Or when will you be? Well, we're, we have a soft opening in August. We're going to formally reopen, uh, after Labor Day for personal visits. You know, before COVID we were having about a thousand guests a year, right? And then, um, you know, it's, when guests come up, we, you know, they're not just in the museum itself. We have a very large classroom for them and we do a lecture, right? And uh, we, we, we talk about the, and have examples of the history of communications technologies, like old candlestick phones, old typewriters, right? Old newspapers. So we talk about these communications technologies because you can't take that apart from the history of, of the, the profession. And what we hope that they take away is a, a better feeling about the field, right? Or if they're still in school and they're a diverse student, they can see people who look like them throughout history. And uh, most textbooks, as you know, only feature straight white men. But uh, the more we do research, as, as, uh, as Jenny alluded to, the more women we find, the more people of color, the more gay people, and uh, even Native Americans. And so all of these people who are not straight white men have not been in the textbooks until recently. And we've been calling out to the publishers and to textbook writers, you've got to make this an inclusive history because you're leaving out some extraordinary people people who worked in civil rights or people who opened a PR firm. 
Yeah, I know you wanted to mention uh, about Pride Month and talking about the role of public relations in the gay rights movement. So I, I wanna make sure that we bring, we hit on that as well. Well, I think Jenny can talk about that. Yeah, and we definitely, overall, we want folks to be empowered when walking away from anything, any in any way that they interact with the museum, as long as they're empowered, we definitely did our job the right way. And with events like the Pride Month event and our previous diversity events, we just, we want people to understand or communicators in general to understand that it, it takes a lot to listen to. You have to sit and listen to the stories that will be told on these broadcasts. And the Pride event is gonna feature something different um, for the museum. It's gonna have two panels, which we usually do, but the first panel will be, will be made up of PR people and the second panel will be made up of journalists. And they're all LGBTQ professionals and they're all going to tell their personal stories, but also give insight, give advice, let us know how we can be advocates for them too, because there's a lot of people that are tired from advocating for themselves for so long, they need help. And maybe that's the role of the communicators to answer those calls for help and to come together and help push messages forward that need to be brought forward. That is a great point that you made, Jenny, too, is, is that the, and I think the number one talent um, of, a, of a public relations person is being a good listener first. Absolutely. Um, to, to, to understand what someone else is trying to say um, we do that day in, day out in our, in our profession. Um, but I think it would help us too. Um, if we, if we stopped and listened to the people who have a story to tell, um, who, like you said, need help in telling it, um, because it's so important for our community. It's so important for the, for the world that we live in. So that's, that's really awesome. And that event, let's give it a plug is coming up on June, June 29th. June 29th, Tuesday, 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern. And you can register through our website, prmuseum.org. Um, and it's going to be a great show. Love it. I will, as soon as we're done taping here, I'm going to click and register myself. That's, that's awesome. awesome. Um, well, you. this has been a terrific conversation and an enlightening one. We really appreciate you spending time with us. We are going to have a little bit of fun now and transition into our rapid fire question segment uh, of our podcast. And this is the first time we've had two people doing rapid fire at once. So this will be interesting. Uh, and this is where we, as you know, steal a page from inside the actor studio. We ask just these uh, simple questions designed to elicit a one or two word answer, just your gut reaction to wh whatever you hear. So with your indulgence, let's begin. Um, rapid fire question. Number one, your favorite news source? New York Times. I was going to say New York Times also. <laughs> All right. Rapid fire question number two, what is your favorite social media platform? Instagram. Instagram and Facebook, same company. <laughs> now it is, now it is. Yeah, right, exactly, exactly. Um, rapid fire question number three, coffee or alcohol? Coffee. Oof. Depends on the time of day. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's... I don't drink, so it's always it's, coffee. It's 50-50. I'm with you. And Jenny, I'm with you. I don't drink either. But uh, but in the days that I did, woof. <laughs> rapid fire. Right? You, can de you can definitely use it. <laughs> rapid fire question number four. What is your favorite on the run food? This is from my days as a reporter, but go ahead. Uh, I would say back before COVID, if it was on the run, it would be a slice of pizza. Agreed. If I was in the city, but not in Jersey, it would have yeah. to be Manhattan or Brooklyn. I, this is going to be posh, but a fresh squeezed juice. 
Nice, nice. That, that'll pick you up. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and rapid fire question number five, what do either or both of you want to be after you finish this career? Oof. I don't think I'm ever finishing this career. I think I'm going to die in the museum one day from exhaustion. <laughs> I can't imagine doing anything else because our roles are changing, evolving, becoming more important, more relevant. And I want to see the museum continue to grow as large and as significant as it possibly can. And I'll be there until the last minute. I think I chose PR because I knew that I could apply it to any industry. So I never thought, oh, I'm going to be this after I finish. I always had a tendency to try different fields out, but PR definitely gives me the opportunity to apply myself everywhere. But if I didn't eat bunny, I would be a pop star. <laughs> oh, there you go. So after I finish PR, if I finish PR, I would definitely love to be a singer. But, but aren't we all pop stars? Come on, <laughs> in our own minds. <laughs> well, we are gonna have a PR's Got Talent Fundraising right. show. Oh, there you go. So if you'd like to live out your dreams of being a pop star, stay tuned for more information on that. That's a little spoiler. Look at look <laughs> at you, the, 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 the event promoter that you that we all are. That's so great. Right. Good for you. Good for you. Training. <laughs> all right. This has been a great conversation. Thank you so much. Uh, please let people know how they can find you online. Sure. Um, you can visit our website at prmuseum.org. On uh, Instagram, we are at PR Museum. On Twitter, we are at Museum of PR. On LinkedIn and Facebook, you can find us at Museum of Public Relations. And yeah. If people want to reach out to you individually, do you have a, a preferred social media platform? I would say Facebook, LinkedIn. Instagram, at Jenny Frankel. <laughs> Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, well, thanks to the both of you. Appreciate it. And, and I'm going to publicly pledge my support of the Museum of Public Relations right here. Uh, we can talk after we, uh, we hit the record button uh, on, on how I can get involved because I'd really love to do it. Thank you, Shelly and Jenny, uh, for your time here. Thanks, everyone, for listening, too. Remember to subscribe to the show. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The PR Podcast and send us a question or a comment. Our intro is by, by Christopher Appolt. You can find him and his fantastic photography on Instagram at Christopher underscore A-P-P-O-L-D-T. Check him out and hire him for all your photography needs. You can find me online at Jody Fisher on all the socials and online at JodyFisherPR.com. We'll see you next time on the PR Podcast. Yeah.